You are listening to the Sports CDP Crash Course, your go-to podcast for all things sports related. We talk about how sports clubs and teams can sell more tickets and merchandise than ever before and how they can negotiate sponsorship agreements of higher value. We also champion women's sports and discuss how data and innovation can help bring equality to the sports industry. We have interviewed industry leaders who have worked with the likes of the NFL, FC Barcelona, Women in Football UK, FIBA, the Davis Cup, just to name a few. So don't miss out. Listen to today's episode. Our next guest is Ross Simmons, a world-renowned digital marketing strategist who has worked with both startups and Fortune 500 brands. He is the founder and CEO of Foundation Marketing, a content marketing company that plans, creates and distributes content. And he's also the co-founder of Hustle & Grind, a company dedicated to filling offices, individuals and organizations with the hustler spirit. Ross Simmons is truly one of the most inspiring and leading marketers in the world today. And today, we get to chat with him about his experience and also get a few golden nuggets on how organizations can approach their own digital and content marketing. Ross, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Lorraine. Looking forward to chatting today. It's going to be fun. Yes, indeed. Um, But before we begin, we'd like to start off our sessions with an icebreaker. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. Let's do it. What's your favorite quote? expression or motto and why is it your favorite i'm going to throw you a curveball with two um one of my favorite quotes is one that i've created which is create once distribute forever that's more around marketing and it's the idea that if you create something great then you need to distribute forever my second quote which is not my own um is if you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired then you don't have a circle you have a cage that was by the late nipsey hustle i love that quote and i think it's a a powerful one for people to reflect on around the people that they surround themselves with I've never heard that one before, actually. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. But Ross, why digital marketing and content marketing? Can you please take us back to when and how your journey started in these fields? Yeah, so I've been a geek for my whole life, and I fell in love with the internet at a very young age. I started a fantasy football blog while I was in university, and I can remember going to classes and learning about billboards and TV ads. But when I walked into the university library, I saw everyone on computers and everyone on laptops. And the moment I saw everyone on Facebook at one point, I was like, okay, I need to go all in on this because this is where things are going, and this is where people's attention is going to be allocated. So um, I took that fantasy football blog and was able to generate a good chunk of revenue to pay for a year or two of tuition, um, quickly seeing that the traffic was going up, revenue was coming in, and the internet was a thing that was going to last for a very long time. But I switched my mar- my fantasy football blog into a marketing blog um, to start writing about business and things that I was learning in school. Uh, started to get people to reach out to me from all over the globe to come and train their teams on marketing, on business. And you fast forward, and that kind of sparked the opportunities that evolved into foundation, where I started to work with small businesses on a local scale, helping them with their marketing strategies. Um, And then I started to get inquiries from Fortune 500 companies all over the globe. And that just kind of blew my mind to say, okay, I can actually go bigger than um, just the small local clients. So many questions just from that one paragraph. 
that one how old were you when you started the fantasy football blog yeah so i was about 21 when i started the fantasy football blog um in my 20s and you walked into a library and everybody had their computers and you it kind of clicked in your head that okay this is where the future is yeah going. because in the classroom we were learning about like some of the more traditional types of advertising and marketing and communication um but i seen everyone consuming content on their computer and it, it the light bulbs just went off that yeah it's great that i'm learning about the principles and the fundamentals in school but i have to kind of take self-education into my own hands and really start to understand this social media thing so i started to read some of the old blogs that were being written back then about social media i started to download every ebook and report that i could find on the future of innovation and tech and all of that stuff and I just immersed myself into the space and I kind of created my own curriculum um, on something that wasn't being taught in school at the time, which was digital marketing um, at large. No, but that, that really um, strikes me. And it's like, so, because not everybody would walk in and kind of the light bulb go in that sense and kind right. of look at future gaze in that sense, you know? So is it like you were always kind of interested somehow like entrepreneurial or just had that you were cultivating that all along and not just yeah. kind of studying for the sake of studying so you could say you have a degree yeah i've always had that entrepreneurial kind of aspirations i uh, don't do well with getting direction from other people so i started my first business when i was in high school um 16 or 17 years old and i was selling do-rags out of my locker um that was my first very first business and that's when i fell in love with entrepreneurship at a young age uh, and i've been obsessed with entrepreneurship ever since i'm not going to dwell on that just one area i'll move on <laughs> i could dwell on there because no doubt striking me that's making me wonder like is this a cultural difference where maybe in north america like that entrepreneurial mm. spirit is more encouraged and it's quite normal because right. you're seeing 16 and 17, whereas in my world, when I was 16 and 17, it was like, oh, you're so ambitious, like, enjoy right. kind of thing, you know, right. so, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely probably a little bit different. The entrepreneurship is definitely an idea that is kind of, I would say, um, more glorified than in many places. Um, it's encouraged to be an entrepreneur and to kind of try to take risks and take chances and stuff like that. Fantastic. And you also mentioned um, right at the beginning that you were learning more the traditional stuff in class, but then mm. you sort of got interested in the more uh, sort of like the computer, social media, the content, right. the digital. But how does it all fit in together for organizations? Right. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it all starts with the person that you're trying to connect with. And the moment that we believe that people only exist in one channel and one format is the moment where we make a major mistake as marketers and communicators. All people are kind of like onions and we have different layers to us. And that's an old Shrek reference, but essentially we all have these different places that we spend time. Sometimes you're gonna spend time driving down the street and you might look up at a billboard. Sometimes you might watch a TV show. You might watch something on YouTube. You might scroll through Instagram or, or TikTok or Reels, whatever it might be. So everybody's different in those senses. But at the end of the day, I believe that when I first got started, digital was still untapped and it wasn't really something where a lot of brands were um, spending time it was still innovative it was still new people were figuring it all out and because of that i was able to come into the market early and really set my career up for long-term success by finding something that was growing and that was emerging so when i think about the intersections between traditional and digital i think about the ways that humans just navigate the internet and navigate the world and the way that we navigate is very 
different from one channel to the next, and it evolves from one demographic to the next and one psychographic to the next. And that's what makes this industry exciting. It makes it fun to kind of say, all right, if this is my audience, this is my niche, I need to think about different channels and different ways of communicating with them. If I was trying to connect with 81-year-olds today for a, um, a, with a product or a service, I'm probably not going to use TikTok. And similarly, if I'm trying to use, connect with 18-year-olds or 19-year-olds, I'm probably not going to run ads during a, I don't know, curling match or something that's a little bit more targeted towards an older generation. So you just have to understand your audience and your ICP and then adjust accordingly. And most of our listeners are uh, sports organizations, sports clubs, people right. who, who work within the sports industry somehow. So, and some of them are sort of like, I know that uh, content has been around now for, for a right. good 20 years at least, yeah. but some of them are still just getting started because uh, sports in Europe has traditionally been very traditional. Right. So what are the pillars of content marketing that you think sports organizations that maybe are just starting out or even just companies in general right. should be incorporating um, in their approach to content? Yeah. So I'm super passionate about sports. I spent a lot of time consuming sports. I played sports. I wrote a fantasy football blog for decades. Um, and I think it's the pillars that every sports organization should be thinking about is four four different factors, research, creation, distribution, and optimization. When I think about research, you need to be researching and understanding a few different things. One, you need to understand the audience that you're trying to connect with. You need to understand um, the channels in which they're spending time. And you have to understand the types of content and formats that resonate on those different channels. When you understand that, you have what I would call content market fit. Content market fit is when you know a certain type of content is going to resonate with your audience consistently because you've done the research to understand what moves them and what shakes them. The next step is to move into the creation phase. The creation phase is when you're actually developing content assets that educate, engage, entertain, or empower people. So when you are creating content that falls into the categories that I describe as the four E's, educational content might be informing them of um, the backstory behind an athlete or a player. Engaging content might actually be an Ask Me Anything with one of the players talking to the fans. An entertaining thing might be your mascot showing up in the locker room, pranking everyone, and then everybody having a funny reaction and you recording that and then sharing that on social. Empowering might be you connecting with a local organization, recording it, and then giving a kid um, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to kind of connect with, throw the first pitch, pick the ball with their idol, whatever that might be. Once you've understood those elements of creation and the types of stories you should develop, you then need to distribute them. So you need to understand what channels your audience is spending time on, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, it's Instagram, it's LinkedIn, whatever it might be. You need to start telling those stories and spreading them. And then finally is optimization. A lot of organizations have been around for a long time. Those organizations that have been around for a long time, they probably have a lot of content. They also probably have a lot of history. And you want to go into your archives, you want to go into your website, you want to look at the things that you published in the past and optimize them for today. So you're taking old blog posts and you're updating them with new information and new dates. You're taking landing pages on your website and you're optimizing them for better conversions, for ticket sales, whatever it might be, you're doing those things. That is the four pillars that I believe every organization, whether you're sports or not, should embrace. Research, creation, distribution, and optimization. And right at the beginning, uh, one of the quotes that you, you you mentioned was "create once and distribute forever." I think. That's do you it. want? To, yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Why? Why? Why that quote? Why distribution in that sense? 
Yeah, so every single day, brands are investing so much time in creating great pieces of content. Great stories are being told, great assets are being created, great videos are being developed. And the typical life cycle of that asset is the same day that it goes live is the last day it goes live. Meaning they press publish once and then it never gets shared again. It never gets repurposed. It never gets promoted on different channels. And I think that's a broken mentality. What you should do is if you create a piece of content that is really good, you should be sharing that on a regular basis, consistently share it, consistently amplify it, promote it, and get it out there to the world. Because if the world finds it valuable, then they will continue to find it valuable. In the sports space, you have to recognize like there's a lot of multiple audiences. In some ways, you're trying to connect with the fans. Some of those fans might just want to buy a one-off ticket, but maybe you have season ticket holders and you're trying to do a more big, um, higher price point sale there's oftentimes going to be content that you've created that would resonate with these individuals. Can you tell that story in a different way all the time? Create that piece of content once and then distribute it forever. Fantastic. And I think that within the sports space where in Europe, um, one of the things that they talk about a lot is being understaffed and having loads of work to do, et cetera, et cetera. So then if you're constantly just focusing on creating something new and never redistributing it again or never resharing it then you're sort of like yeah you're pressed up for time whereas if you keep on like reusing some of the stuff that you have then it might it might really just help push the resources that you have a bit further exactly 100 percent. yes and nowadays most brands even within the sports industry they create content that they hope can have a global reach versus just local and you mentioned as well about your own journey that you didn't want to just work with local smaller brands but you also wanted to kind of work with bigger international brands but um what should the approach for doing this be is it the same approach that you just mentioned it's just like you just need to understand your icp it doesn't matter if you're trying to reach your local or reach right. your your international it's all about understanding your icp or is there more to it it is it's about really diving deep into that audience but also recognizing that it's okay to have multiple audiences. Like you don't want to say we target everyone, but you do want to really go deep in understanding who you are talking to. There's tools like audience with an S there's tools like spark Toro, where you can start to do research into the channels that they're spending time on the accounts that they follow. And you want to use that for inspiration and insight around who really are these people? What podcasts do they listen to? What other accounts do they follow on Twitter? What accounts do they follow on Reddit? What, subreddits are they subscribed to you really want to go deep into understanding the culture within the groups that you're trying to influence and become immersed within it Mm. and just to to go back to that distribution question as well it's like nowadays there's so much like there's so many new channels and social media platforms all that kind of stuff recently we've had threads being launched by meta so right. it can be a bit confusing to know, yeah. like, okay, how should I be, how should I be picking, like, which channel right. should I be focusing on? Do yeah. you have any advice on on how clubs, uh, sports organizations, and yeah. other kinds of brands can go about picking social media channels or picking their channels of for distributing content? Yeah, I think it starts with recognizing every channel is going to be different. You want to lean into your strengths. So when I say leaning to your strengths, understand your content culture internally and what type of format of content you can thrive at. If it's video, then you're gonna go to a video first platform. If you can thrive with the written word, then go to a written word driven platform. But you want to first validate whether or not your audience is there 
and you might be able to unlock some arbitrage opportunity. A lot of these clubs might not have done the research up front to know that there's a small Facebook group with 20,000, 30,000 fans that are passionate about their business. Okay, go into that group, go into that community and start to nurture it. Similarly, on Twitter, on Reddit, et cetera, find the communities where your audience is spending time. That would be the low hanging fruit that I would try to pick. Now we've spoken so much about like the content and the digital social media. I think uh, our listeners would also love to hear a bit more about your experience and like your personal journey. So I'm wondering what some of the best accounts are that you've worked on with Foundation, either from the perspective of like working with a big name for the first time or working with a brand that really pushed your creativity or pushed you to try a different approach. But do you have specific examples of like some of the best accounts that you've worked on so far? Yeah. Yeah, I've worked on a lot of very different accounts, ranging from like Kit Kat bars all the way in the consumer side in my past life, all the way through now to companies like Canva. And it's been a lot of fun, like having the ability to support organizations of that size and of that scale to kind of create content that shapes culture in the way that we view it um, has been pretty cool. It's been exciting to see, I would say. Um, some of the work that we've done with Canva has been some of the, the best and most rewarding work that I've had in my years. Um, and to be able to see them kind of skyrocket and thrive has been amazing to witness and amazing to watch. Every client is different. This is kind of why I pick to be an agency owner, like to have the opportunity to collaborate with so many different brands. It forces me and gives me the ability to constantly learn new things. We worked with one startup that was creating an AI um, that went over the radiologist's scans for um, mammograms and things like that. And that technology itself is actually going to change lives. And that's pretty cool for us to kind of play a small role in. Similarly, we work with some, some organizations that people would say is boring, where we have one client that literally sold dirt and they sold dirt to golf courses. They sold dirt to real estate developers and things like that. But it gave us an opportunity to get a little bit creative and understand that there's different grades of sand. And it was interesting to golfers to read stories about the fact that the sand pits at Augusta is very different from a sand pit at some other place. So um, it gave us the opportunity to have some fun um, with that type of thing. And I think that's the, the beauty of the industry is we've worked with SaaS companies ranging from up and coming all the way through to the canvas of the world. Um, and we've had a lot of fun along the way. So it's been, uh, it's been a blast. That sounds so fun, even just about the dirt, like learning about, can you imagine being at a party and somebody asks you like, like a party trick or something, right. it's like you, you just talk about dirt and everybody, That's it. <laughs> you, you know? Exactly, 100%. Yeah, and of, uh, you've written quite a, a couple of books, I think, on, um, on content, on marketing. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about like why you wrote Definitely. the book, what the books are about and where yep. people can get a hand on the, uh, a copy? Yeah, so definitely check out rawsimmons.com or foundationinc.co. Um, for me, the reason why I create these stories and I've written these books, one was called Stand Out, the content marketer's guide to um, creating content that stands out. And I'm currently working on a book that's funny enough named Create Once, Distribute Forever. So you'll be able to look out for that where all books are sold um, and subscribe to our newsletter so you can get an update on when that does come live. But essentially for me, I really think that the distribution story and the passion around that comes from a, a real belief that some of the best ideas, some of the best opportunities and best creators in the world are probably going undiscovered because they don't know how to promote their work. 
because they don't know how to distribute their story. And I'm very confident that some of the best ideas in the world have probably been buried with people who just didn't know how to get it, the word out there, whether it's an artist, whether it's a creator, whether it's a business idea. I think a lot of people struggle to get over the hurdles that come with distribution. Um, and for me, my goal is to help more and more people get out of that, to break that idea that they can't promote their work, that they shouldn't promote their work, that they shouldn't promote their podcast. They shouldn't distribute their podcast. And my goal is to help them break through that because I believe on the other side of creation, when you find distribution, you will find truly um, the opportunity to unlock ROI of a lifetime. Finally, Ross, if you could speak directly to smaller organizations that mm. may be tight for time and resources and yeah. are looking to step up their content marketing efforts, what advice would you give them? I would give them the same advice that my dad always said. And it was a saying that was used around when talking about me, my siblings all the time. And he was like, it's always better to have one really good kid than three bad. And I think that philosophy should be ingrained in everyone's mind around social media channels and all the different tools that you work on. Instead of trying to be mediocre at everything, be excellent at one thing, and then start to move on to the next one. Stop trying to spread yourself so thin across TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Quora, Reddit, Discord, all of these different channels, Pinterest, YouTube. Just chill. Find one channel, be excellent at it, own it, become great at it to a point where you know with confidence that you're driving results for the organization. And then once you can demonstrate that you are driving ROI, then move on to the next one. Become excellent at one channel first and then start diluting it and moving on to the next. I feel like you just gave me life advice right now. <laughs> because the way that resonated, I, I'm somewhat of a jack of all trades. You know, those right. kinds of people that do everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's often, it's often a lot of people do it. Like I, it's advice that I had to learn myself. Like you, you think, oh, I can do all of these different things without realizing that all of those different things are actually mediocre in nature. And that's why you don't get the results that you want. It's because you're not spending all the time in one channel to become excellent. So the people on that channel adore and love you. And then you move on to the next one. That's the playbook that you should be embracing. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> no worries. And before we bid you adieu, where can our listeners connect with you? I'm on all your favorite social media channels. If you type in Ross Simmons, you'll find me or at the coolest cool. That's typically my Twitter handle and all of my handles on various networks. Um, but also feel free to check out uh, foundationinc.co. Um, we'd be happy to chat as well. And I'll also put it out there that I reached out to you on LinkedIn and was not expecting a response at all. <laughs> and then when I opened my inbox and there was a message, a response from you, super direct and super, not even like asking me a million questions. Right. I was just like, I told the whole office, I was like, ah, guys, just responded. <laughs> so, so yeah, everyone reach out also and linked it because he responds. I like it. Thanks, Lorraine. I appreciate it. Your, your outreach was great. So I uh, gave you a, a quick response back. So I appreciate that. And uh, thank you for what you do. I think it's great to have this type of thing out there for the world. And uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on the Sports CDP Crash Course. 
If your goal is to get more supporters, superior sales and real revenue, then visit our website at datatalks.sc and fill out our demo form to experience firsthand how we can help you. Data Talks, more supporters, superior sales, real revenue.